Man, it feels so good to be back in front of the microphone after an emotional past two weeks, to say the least. Now, not only did we clinch Champions League football for next season, but we may not be able to buy players, might possibly have to hire a new manager, and manage the next nine months without two of our blossoming academy graduates due to injury. But before we get into all that, let's just emphasize the fact that not only did DB Weiss and David Benioff single-handedly ruin, yes, I said ruin, one of the greatest stories ever told in Game of Thrones, but they just may fuck over Star Wars as well. <laughs> Here to shed some light on the situation are my trusty colleagues, Andres Velasco and Samba Grisade. So I guess I'll start with Andres and ask, season eight, Game of Thrones, yay or nay? It's a nay, but I feel like I'm not in like the burn them and kill them kind of camp. <laughs> I'll just say it's keep it there. Sam, what about you? Yeah or nay? You know, I, yeah, I, I'm with Andreas. I didn't hate it. Like there was leaks before that Brand was going to finish. Oh, yeah. I mean, sorry. Spoiler alert. I don't know if people should be caught up by now. <laughs> yeah, Brand. <fuck> them. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I saw the leaks that Brand was going to finish. And I, I didn't think they were true. I mean, like, I, I, I've always, like, thought Bran was the worst character in the whole entire show. So when, when I found out that he was going to end up as king, I was like, if, if this happens, I'll be so mad. But Tyrion, the most pointless character yeah, arc. The one with the best story. I'm like, what? what that, that's the qualification? He has the best you story because he got pushed out. You guys off weren't and... part of the Bran wagon? No I'm way. not part what of the Bran wagon. <laughs> what the this yeah, yeah just exactly. Chill. I mean, I get it. He's powerful, whatever. They didn't do a good job of explaining it. It wasn't Why a top not? three. It wasn't a top three finish to the season. No, it definitely like, wasn't. Like, it was like, more like 14, 15. Exactly. But, you know, who you know who did finish top three in at the end of the season? Chelsea. We, we, yes. we haven't we haven't had an episode since then. No, we uh, it's it's actually been a while. So, um, uh, so I mean, is that a cause for celebration? I mean. <laughs> has anything else has anything else happened in the past two weeks that would uh <laughs> shut down my enthusiasm i don't know we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll get top, there t- top three at the expense of the other teams being absolute shit oh yeah i, th- I, I think Thank i was you. reading something was that said like I, I forgot the exact stat but the total amount of points that the teams fighting for the top four accumulated in the last couple weeks of the season is like bottom of the table. <laughs> so yeah, just to give just to give you guys some clarity, we didn't necessarily earn it. We just dropped the least amount of points. AKA we earned it then. <laughs> whatever, whatever, Andres. <laughs> uh, yeah, however you want to put it. So I mean, obviously that's good news. That's a guaranteed Champions League spot for next year which makes this Europa League championship a little bit less important, but nonetheless, we're playing against Arsenal, so it's going to be one of the most important matches ever. But, unfortunately, we won't be playing that game with our best player as of as of late, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, because of, uh, because of a, a friendly, international friendly, to hashtag final whistle on hate, to be the final whistle on hate, so... Thank, thankfully we ended hate um and all racism with that match so that's the that's that is the silver lining um, so great job roman are we allowed to laugh at that i think we're allowed to laugh at that <laughs> i mean maybe, yeah we're allowed to laugh maybe at their that. intention wasn't to end it 
because of that game, but maybe they start it, you know, so it, it, it's fine. We could laugh at the joke, but I think we could all agree that it was a great cause in general. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but it's it's definitely not the cause that everyone is upset about. It's it's the timing right before, uh, two, two, was it two, three weeks before the uh, Europa League championship game. So uh, on, on an awful pitch, uh, just... Oh, you sound like such an American. <laughs> Why is that? Europa League championship game <laughs> match, right? <laughs> Thank you so much. The, the final. final, the final. final. Yeah, <laughs> the final. you're right. You're right. You're right. It's a cup final. Sorry, you know that's 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 how we do it here on the West you're Coast. You're you're still in uh, NBA playoff mode. Clearly. Oh yeah, yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so, so that that the the thing that we're worried about obviously was you know the quality of the pitch. Why did we play all of our players in those matches? Why was it even scheduled in the first place? It, it and the worst possible case scenario, Ruben Loftus Cheek suffering a ruptured Achilles, which was the same exact injury that Cho had suffered just week weeks before. So these two guys, supposed to be our two of our best players next season, we're not gonna have them for what, seventy percent, six maybe even more of next season. Probably not till after the new year, I yeah. would assume. Yeah. yeah, so maybe yeah, 50-60% of the season is going to be without them. Uh so what do we is there to blame to put for this match? Who do we blame? The pitch? Are we going to blame the board or do we just chalk it off as shit luck? Zach, I'll start off with you. What do you think? So, um, you guys know in the group chat, I absolutely popped off right after uh the injury happened. And after some some reflecting, like, yes, I do understand the argument that an injury like that is more, especially a non-contact injury, is more of just shit luck than anything. Um, and I know that, you know, he could have popped his Achilles on the training pitch. But if he pops his Achilles on a training pitch, that's fine. That kind of shit happens. When you pop your Achilles in a friendly, that doesn't really fucking matter. That's on a shit pitch, by the way. And I, I actually found out that um, that they actually rolled the grass over artificial turf prior to the match. So like it, it looked like a carpet because it literally was a carpet. <laughs> um, and and you know from what I saw in the injury in particular, it looked like his foot did get stuck into the ground. So maybe the pitch is a little bit at fault. I mean I know that these guys are uh, extremely fit to the T, right? Like, and even a lot of has been nursing a back injury. Like, like he's a fit guy. He's not, you know, this wasn't a result of him not being fit per se, but I do think the pitch definitely contributed. How, how, how could it not? And the match and, was at, the match was at Gillette stadium, right? Where the Patriots play. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. the groundskeepers have no reason to keep the, the pitch maintained during the off season. Right. I mean, but, obviously they, they New have, England the, uses this, of though, course. The revolution. Yeah. 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 But do they really care about that? You know, that, that's my point. Well, apparently they use turf, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and now they have a dickhead of a coach in Bruce Arena. And, then like, earlier this week, I mean, <laughs> off topic, but. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, yeah. He got hired this week. He's actually their uh, director of football, I believe, too. And, like, he said in his uh, in his interview, um, he said that he's not to blame for the U.S. missing out on the World Cup. So, uh, okay. Cool. Thanks, so yeah. yeah, so Wait, what, I guess a, I guess it's all the players. He fault. was hired as director of football. Yeah, what does that mean? And what does GM? What does director of football mean? I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't not know. Sure why don't what you? That is. 
Why don't you ask Peter Check? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a little sneak Spicy. peek. Sneak, uh, sneak peek. Uh, but, is, Andreas, what about you? What? How how, how do you how react? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I feel like, reaction? I feel like the board has to be at fault here because the fact that we scheduled this, for, for one, the, the, the tickets weren't on sale until later this spring. So if you can see that you're having a successful Europa League campaign, push the date. Trust me, the MLS schedule is already hectic, so the revolution can deal with that. And there's no point in having your team travel across the ocean for one match to come right back when it's like a friendly. It's not, yeah, there's no meaning to it. Yes, there is a thematic charity purpose behind it, but we have the probably Sari's most important match in his managerial career to date coming up and you literally just put a bunch of hurdles in his path by making him go overseas in preparation for the final mm-hmm. forcing him to play the pull the the starters because you know that that was not his choice the guy is super like uh what's the word i'm looking for here superstitious so the fact that he had to play hazard loftus cheek if he could have, he definitely would have played Conte too. Jorginho played. The whole back line that was healthy played. It just, that is not what you usually see in a friendly. So I cannot see that being his choice. So I, I, I'm putting the blame on the board because this could have easily been rescheduled for literally the week after the Europa League final. I understand. Before, before the summer window, before we lose players, before all that, and you can still have Hazard be part of the squad and be there. That's that's the thing that bugs me. Well, well, like I understand that, you know, like you have a three week hiatus between the end of your our season and the Europa League final. Like I get it. If you need to play a closed door friendly to, you know, some pub side just to keep the players fresh and to keep them in rhythm, then that's fine. But there's no reason to fly them across, like Andres said. You know, uh, uh, what, how long of a flight is that? Six or seven hours? Seven, regardless of six hours yeah yeah i mean regardless of whether or not they were flying first class or not i could give two fucks when you <laughs> fly it puts an effect on the body they're flying into a different time zone now yeah. i'm not bashing the cause because the cause is great but i do think that there's one thing that hasn't been mentioned that we should mention and that's sorry's involvement in the whole pr uh department i guess you could say uh, on this trip specifically so you didn't do any press conferences and apparently he didn't even travel with the team to the Holocaust Memorial. Supposedly he Yikes. had a stomach bug or something like that. But I think it's something to possibly look out for because I don't think it's a coincidence that he skipped out on um, those events in particular and is currently being linked with a job away from Chelsea, which we'll get to a little bit later. But that, that's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, I guess. for an event to end hate, you you think that he really would, it's a good idea to skip out on going to the Holocaust Museum and stuff like that. That's that's just dumb, you know, like PR yeah. But if he's sick, it, it, I mean, I that's the it. thing yeah. though. He's been failing. He's been failing miserably in the PR department yeah, all season. Yeah, and, I mean, that's we... what I was gonna say. It's been a consistent story. It's been that <laughs> yeah. way the whole time he's been at Chelsea. Yeah. PR is not his strong suit, and even before Chelsea, he was calling uh, Mancini uh, a homosexual slur. So the fact that <laughs> this is as consistent as it gets, like this is Maurizio. Yeah. Sorry for you. It, it doesn't mean that I I agree with his choice, but. If there's one thing, he's been consistent on this part of it, of his uh, responsibilities, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, and it's not even, it's not even PR in terms of the media. 
perception. What about the fan perception? I mean, we went from a manager in Jose that was that would always take a moment out to thank the fans and clap the fans off the pitch. And then we had a guy like Antonio Conte who would run into and the jump stands into to the... celebrate goals. And then oh, we go from man, I, that. I mean, it's just polar opposites. I mean, we went from these managers that were very uh charismatic and and I want to say uplifting when things are going well, but they they've never forgotten about the fans. And even Conte when things started to go sour, you know, there was still that affinity for the fans. He would still clap the fans. Uh, clap at the away fans in away matches, and he w- you would still hear his name being sung out into the crowd. Same thing with Jose Mourinho. I mean, he will drag someone back onto the pitch to clap for the away fans. But what about Maurizio Sar? I mean, we just don't see that. And uh, this is kind of backtracking a little bit, but after the Frankfurt match, in the celebrations, where was Maurizio Sarri, by the way? Because I'm pretty sure I saw Pochettino sprinting out onto the field with tears in his eyes, celebrating his ass off. We saw yeah. the same thing mm-hmm. with Jurgen Klopp. Um, the the he, same thing with Pep Guardiola after the Brighton match. What about Sari? Where's he the also didn't he also didn't take part in the kind of lap around the pitch after the last home match, if I'm not mistaken. So See, I don't get that. And, and even though there's a lot of abuse being getting thrown his way all season long, I will give him that. Like, and and that's not fair. The fact that people were starting to sing "fuck Sari ball." halfway through the season was a little premature. I mean, now we can all kind of look at it and say, eh, like they kind of have a point. Yeah, they were spot but, on. <laughs> but, but still, as a manager, like you have to rise above and you have to play the morality card. You can't rely on the fans to do that, especially Chelsea fans who are probably the most irrational fan base you know, I'm a part of, and I'm a Laker yeah. fan too. So, like, you know, just take that with a grain of I salt. I think that but... I think you deal with that anywhere in the Premier League, and I think that's just a, a, a difference between, you know, Syria – and the Premier League, and I think that he is way more equipped to. I mean, if, if he takes his Juventus job, like to be completely honest, that's a better gig than what he has right now with Chelsea. So, I mean, he's upgrading. He's going to be happier. So, He'll get you know, the smoke on the on the bench again. Right, right. You know, I mean, I get it, but like, you could understand why bigger clubs are after him, right? Like, his target was to qualify for Champions League. And maybe win a trophy somewhere along the way. So Which far, he's can. got us into two cup finals. Yeah. We finished in third. And he started – and he only had about eight days of preparation before the season started. So, like, if you're looking at it from a statistical perspective, he had a great season. That's a successful season. Maybe if, not great, but it's successful. If Sorry does the, this with – if Sari does this with Tottenham or, or United or Liverpool, he would be praised as some sort of hero. But, I mean, the man took a job going into the Premier League's main villain, main target. And yeah. that's why he was never going to have an easy ride. So Sari Ball didn't come as planned, and it, it wasn't as smooth, as fluid as everybody expected it. But at the end of the day, he got his objectives, and, and people seem to forget that a little, little bit. So... My thing is, is that the media in the in England is totally different than that of Italy. Like, if he goes back to Italy, he will not get nearly this much criticism or anything because he's Italian. Like, that's his home. Like, I really do think that it's one of those things. Like, we are in a time, and this is going to come harsh, where England right now is doing this whole Brexit thing, and there's like a big ego of, of who who's from England and, and that identity. And I think that, sorry, sadly got the short end of the stick there on top of that being the Chelsea manager adds even more hate to the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it, it is a little bit unfair, but at the same time, he didn't do himself any favors. Hey, he, well, gets, even, he, he gets to he, chill he, with Di Marzio and Alfredo, you know, out in Italy. Alfredo Padulia. Yeah. Alfredo. 
I mean, like, even if he does go to Juventus and he does try to implement Sorry Ball and it doesn't work, they'll still probably win the league by 15 points anyways. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I mean, why wouldn't – like, if I'm Maurizio, sorry, I'm looking at that job, but I'm like, all right, fuck you guys. I'm going to Juve. I'm going to coach Ronaldo for a year. I have someone that will get me 25 goals. Isn't Antonio Conte in talks with possibly joining Inter Milan? Is that a thing? Did you yep. guys hear about that? So, I mean, how uh, amazing – how, how amazing Inter will be back. How amazing would it be if, if it was b- between those two battling for the top place in Italy? I would definitely watch the Italian league just to keep an eye on that because that's, I mean, two two former Chelsea managers. I still have – I mean, the connection I have with Sarri is, is nothing close to, like, what I had with Conte. I mean, Sarri, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just unfortunate. You know, we had a great season this year, and we cannot enjoy it. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't, like, be happy that we finished top three and we're in the Europa League finals. Like, you know, and, and you know, and Ron, a.k.a. at – Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, <laughs> he 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 has a he made a, he had a great story <laughs> tweeted to us. Uh, I wanted to read it, so he says I'm probably late. Blame the recovery, but does this season seem like a kick in the nuts? I mean, we're top three, got to two, got to two finals, used some of our homegrown talent, but yet we may still sack our manager. We still have no direction. Uh, we'll lose we'll lose our best player, and there's the whole. Uh, band fiasco there's just so many layers to it i guess it keeps it exciting <laughs> keeps it exciting life a, oh like a tv show but man it's been hard this year being a fan i mean ron really summarized it perfectly that's why i wanted to read what he said uh but that's just how i the feel OG man. ultras yeah man. for sure hashtag rep ultras uh but <laughs> i mean that's just that that is that's a beautifully summarized version of what what this season has been it's crazy we can't enjoy any of the good stuff that happened to us because of all the bad stuff that's happening this kind of this season kind of reminded me of like when you were little and you'd have to go to the doctor to get a shot and you literally think the doctor's gonna stab you and kill you right (laughs) and you're just terrified of needles whatever you go to the doctor you get your shot and as like one like final fuck you he gives you this tiny popsicle that lasts for about like maybe two and a half minutes that's what this season kind of felt like because it's like at the end we still got the piece of candy but like at what price you know like the on-field the on-field product has just been the least entertaining i've seen in such a long time i mean it's just it's awful it was awful this year to get through and and i was one of like i i was one of the sorry uh pro sorry people going into the season like i backed him up until about january until the wheels fell off and then his pragmatism just got the best of me like he does not change his system everything is like for like he plays the same players and expects different results i mean He's playing our uh, our best midfielders playing out of position, and like I know I was I know and and angry Chelsea fan is gonna jump on me through this because he always does because he <laughs> thinks I'm a Jorginho fanboy, which I kind of am. I do rate yeah. Jorginho, but like, I mean, enough is enough. We just we just kind of need somebody that's gonna come in and put our team in the best and put our players in the best situations. To give us the best opportunity to win. Well, and I feel like Maurizio Sarri just hasn't done that. Let's get into that because there's been some news coming out uh, the past couple days regarding that exact thing that you're talking about. Uh, unless Andreas, if you had any final points on that last thing. Um, I guess one thing that I I I want to say is like our attack has been on a downturn even since when Conte took over. So. 
I, I, I think Sari has a lot to still take responsibility for. But at the same time, I feel like it's one of those things where he was on the receiving end of already a deteriorating attack. Like, I could see what he was trying to do, but it's it's hard to, to implement something when you're preaching to deaf ears. I, I really don't think that Willian ever tried to, to play the way Sari wanted him to. Right. I, I still think he was taking five too many touches compared to what you ever saw at Napoli. Uh, I think it started getting better in terms of the midfield when Loftus-Cheek finally got healthy. But at the end of the day, you have to make adjustments. You can't just keep forcing, like we always said, around peg or whatever, around whatever square into square hole. Yeah. yeah, whatever the saying is. So I, I still think that the blame is shared. But, yeah, the manager is the one that can make those changes, and he just simply didn't, which made it be such a rough season altogether where, yeah, you have a bad taste in your mouth. Even with third place, and Champions League, you have a bad taste in your mouth because of all the things that we still have to uh, take care of that Ron so nicely put. So, yeah, I'm ready to talk about the, the news and how we're going to try to solve those things in the future. Yeah, let's get into it. So first new piece of news, this was from Sky Sports. So, again, nothing official until it's official, until I see you know Chelsea's website posting it. But Peter Cech reportedly coming back as our new sporting director. So again, Sky Sports uh, broke this news early Tuesday morning and said that he'll be in a new sporting director role. Um, Matt Law, the Telegraph, reported that the club may be interested in bringing him back on a board level uh, earlier in April. So, um, And also, Czech responded on Twitter saying, despite the news today, as I had already said to everyone before, I'll make a decision about my future after the last game. Now my sole focus is to win the Europa League with Arsenal. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> fitting that his last game on Arsenal, I mean, his last his last game in his career is going to be against us. So maybe he'll take one for the team and just allow a couple of goals in and, uh, you know, come <laughs> in. Check. Yeah, come in, come in to this new role with a with some silverware. You know, he, he'll, he'll be directly responsible for that. That's a, that's a great start. <laughs> um, so... Oh, but not only that, the French paper, L'Equipe, they're also reporting that Claude Makélélé is also in negotiations with the club uh, to to return in, in an administrative role that so far has not, be, uh, not yet been clarified. So we're just bringing back the old troops uh, reportedly to bring, you know, to build up the board and then possibly our managerial role. Um what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I mean, is this a bunch of baloney, or do you guys see this happening? Andreas, what do you think? Um, whether it's baloney or not, I like the trend that these news are, are reporting. I think it's nice to see us try to kind of mimic the mold, the mold, sorry, of Bayern and Ajax of hiring former legends to these football-related positions. We we had discussed it. I can't remember whether it was in the pod or the group text how. Peter Cech as the goalkeeper gets to watch most of the game and really see what his players are doing and seeing what they're doing well, whether it's positioning, movements, etc. So for him to take the director of football role is awesome. I also know he speaks like something like six languages, which is going to let him appeal to, to players of different nationalities. And the last bit, he can truly speak 
speak to the Chelsea spirit, the fighting spirit, all the all the trophies he got while he played for us. So that signing makes so much sense. It's it's almost too good to be true, but at this point, I think that that one will for sure materialize. I think he's just being polite by not confirming it before his contract yeah. with Arsenal ends. The, the thing I like about this is that I feel like he's actually the perfect ex-player to have that specific role. Um, anywhere he, I mean, anywhere he's been, I mean, we, we know how he was at Chelsea, but I know amongst Arsenal fans and some, like we have a really close Arsenal, uh, a, a friend of ours that's a diehard Arsenal fan. Um, and, and, and he even says good things about Peter Cech and his professionalism, I think, is the thing that we're going to be gaining more than anything here. You know, the guy's been around the block, and and as Andres said, his rap sheet speaks for itself. So in terms of getting that credibility that you need in a position like this, especially when you're recruiting top-level talent, what better player to bring in or ex-player to bring in than a guy like Peter Cech, who's decorated both internationally and um, domestically? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal choice if we do decide to pick him. Um, I honestly thought that we were going to go for Balak. Um, and you know, obviously Peter check is still fucking awesome. And I, I actually think he'll do a better job than Michael Ballack, to be completely honest. I mean, he's been at Chelsea longer, so he understands the club culture. But the thing I, the thing that really gets me here and the reason why I like the idea of bringing an ex player into a role like this is because they think like fans too, mm -hmm. right? Like they'll think of both on both sides of the coin. So does this move make sense in terms of the way we're going to play, what manager we have? the culture at the club, you know, all, all these different variables going on. But then there's also this fanhood. Like, you know, when, when when a player gets linked to Chelsea, you try to imagine them wearing the Chelsea kit. You try to imagine them scoring goals at the bridge. You try to imagine them in training. How will they get along with Conte? Or, or not Conte, he'll get along with anybody. But how will he get along with <laughs> the Brazilians? How will this guy get along with the Spaniards? And I think Peter Cech is going to be perfect at identifying what a true Chelsea player is because he knows. He knows what it takes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for this role. I'm more curious to see what Makaleli is going to come back uh, and do, per se. I know he, he, he had a role at Monaco, and uh, I know that PSG Swansea was, as well. Oh, P, it was PSG. Oh, yeah, Swansea not, as well. It was PSG, not Monaco. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I, I know that before we got uh, Bakayoko, he basically co-signed him. And said, like, listen, you know, this guy was immature at first. He's pulling up in, like, pink uh, Range Rovers and all this and that. And then I, I know Makaleli was the one that I remember that, yeah. sort of taught him how to be a professional, per se. Like, right? Oh, like, yeah, you, you got to save he, your money. You got to invest. He was, a, he was a technical director at Monaco, but he was, there an, we assist, go. He was an assistant manager at PSG. See, so, um, so then that, so yeah, that's he, where he has it experience on both sides. Honestly, I feel like, yeah. you know, you're talking about Michael Bollock. Uh, he has no experience. He, 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 he's working in media. I think he, he really does enjoy his job working in the media. So I, I would, I would be surprised if he does take any job because that's just a lot of pressure for, you know, unnecessary. I mean, I think he does a good job, um, on TV. So I think he's going to stick with that, but you know, McAuley actually has the experience. So, you know, I mean, Peter Cech is coming straight from retirement. Um, he has no experience. So that also is a question mark. We don't know, like, what he could do. But, you know, I think everything that you said, Zach, is very valid in kind of making a pre preliminary judgment on whether he'll be good or not. 
just because of his personality and his 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 I guess his like fortitude and you know and, and his experience in winning you know he he'll bring in that culture so uh I'm, I am really thing. excited go ahead yeah S- sorry to cut you off no. but I think it's something that should be pointed out is appointing someone like Peter check and and, and this is kind of like an open-ended question you guys could take it and run with it if you want but is appointing a guy like Peter check preparing for Frank and Jody because definitely that's mm-hmm. a perfect that's a perfect relationship already we know that they're already going to be on great terms it's so, it's definitely it, it definitely points in that direction because here's what you do when you have a manager and I'm going to talk about American sports here when you have perfect cohesion between head coach and general manager teams operate perfectly you know exactly how you want to play what kind of players you're looking for you guys are two two peas in a pod and if you're telling me that frank lampard and peter check aren't going to see eye to eye then you never saw the chelsea 2000s teams Hmm. because this all this is pointing to me at is that all, all the rumors that we've been seeing recently about lampard and potentially jt and jody and all that way more believable the fact that we're actually now getting a director of football or sporting director in Peter Cech points at the fact that <laughs> we might need to do – we might actually give this rebuild thing a try rather than uh, recharge and go at it again. So I think that this might be the first positive step into actually having some structure, but I need to see it all come together before I'm like – all in and yes we have a plan and we are gonna rise from the ashes and 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 i don't want people to get a little i don't want people to get too excited about this peter check thing if it's true also because the 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 term sporting director or technical director or director of football i mean there's so many variations of it each variation at each club has its own responsibilities its own set Mm -hmm. of responsibilities and they could change and Based on what we've seen at Chelsea, as Chelsea fans, are we really that confident that the board is going to give basically the keys to uh, footballing decisions to just Peter Cech? That's, I, I think that's the more important question that needs to be asked in this argument, and, and, and that's something we won't find out until – he actually gets a position or something we won't find out until you know we read about it in a book later 20 years from now. Well, if he, if he does take this position, he's probably going to have a, a difficult time in his first year if if, if that transfer ban is still up. So well, he's not going to have a job. Yeah, he's not going to have anything to do basically. Yeah. He'll just basically he'll be he, scouting. He gets a full year of planning. He'll he'll be Danny yeah. Drinkwater. He'll get paid to do nothing. It'll be great. Um, so <laughs> So just an update on the transfer ban. So FIFA rejected our appeal um, originally. Uh, you know, so so now the next step is to go through the court of arbitration for sports, um, which is pretty much an arbitration board for you know s- disputes in different uh, sports leagues. Um, so Chelsea, they can they can they have the option to appeal to them, but. Right now, their lawyers are 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 insisting that <laughs> that they don't have a really good chance of winning, and they suggest to not appeal and to just take the ban straight up uh, in the first year and get it out of the way as soon as possible. Um, so, let's say the club decides to not appeal and to serve the ban sooner than later. 
would that really be the worst idea? Zach, I, I know you probably think a little bit differently than I do and I, I, what I believe Andreas feels about it, but I think, you know, you, well, you're, you're, you, you want to be a little bit positive about this, right? A ban is a ban. A ban is never a good thing. I just want to throw that out there. Of course. This does not mean that this is a good thing. But when you look <laughs> at it – it a good thing? <laughs> when you look at – well, because I know that – dude. I, yeah. I, I've, Chelsea, I've Chelsea Twitter. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Chelsea Twitter. So like I, I have to explain myself completely. Otherwise, some dingus will like take it the wrong way. Like, oh, what are you saying? And then, you know, fuck off. Anyways. <laughs> Um, but 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 there is there could be some silver linings here, right? For one, it's it's obvious it would force Sari or whoever the manager is next season to blend in the youth because we can't buy any players and we're not bringing back Iguain. I know there's a Kovacic rumors. We'll get into that a little bit later, but that means we're gonna have to recall three or four of our loanies guaranteed. I know Sari said earlier in the week that he was already targeting three that he wants to take a look at. It seems pretty obvious who it is. But guys like Tammy Abraham, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Mason Mount, possibly Michi Batshuayi, uh, possibly Fikayo Tomori. I think they'll loan him out to another Premier League side. And thank God we um, got that Pulisic done uh, deal yeah, done before. Yeah, so we he's did, coming in did too. bring in Pulisic. So we're going to have some young talent um, that need playing time that are that, that that's basically going to be able to have a lot of playing time, probably playing more than they should, especially when you look at guys like Tammy Abraham, who will probably, I mean, if we bring back Tammy Abraham and it's only between him and Ali Giroud next season, I mean, I could see Tammy Abraham fighting for a starting spot. I mean, I don't think that's a stretch whatsoever. I mean, the guy scores goals, but anyways, <laughs> without Eden Hazard next year, it's probably a wash anyways, even if there was a transfer window to work with, we're not going to replace Hazard. The American fans that get, too excited about this whole Christian Pulisic thing. Temper your expectations a bit. I love Pulisic. He's a godsend. He's the best American player we've ever seen in a – Probably ever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, probably ever already. But he's not going to replace Hazard. He's not going to put up the numbers. He's not going to score the goals. He's not going to provide the assists. Maybe he will later, but not yet. Okay? That's another thing. Now, if the youth are forced to be integrated – Let's say Maurizio Sarri does get the sack because I don't see the situation happening if Maurizio Sarri is still the the manager. Let me explain. So if the youth are forced to be integrated, fans might be more patient with the actual project itself. Now, a, a big problem with Chelsea fans is that we aren't patient. We expect to compete every year. You know, Having a year without winning a trophy or having a year finishing outside the top four is unacceptable. We're, we're an elite football footballing club. Um, not only in England, but in Europe. So if Frank Lampard comes in and he takes control of this team, that'll allow the fans to be a little bit more patient because one, you can't hate on Frank. Two, you know he's a new coach, so there's patience that comes from that. But three, there's also the band to work with. Now, if Maurizio Sarri is still our manager and we're still playing Sarri ball, I mean, the, the guy's just a lightning rod for negativity. So, you know, the fa it won't take long for the fans to turn on him and lose their shit with him. So I think that situation could work. If Frank Lampard was our manager, if Maurizio Sarri is still our manager, I think we're in trouble because this looming cloud of negativity is just going to be hovering over us for the entirety of next season. And we're not going to be able to do shit about it because there will be a ban. All right. Here we go. I mean, <laughs> I'm ready now. Zach, Play we're in Champions League next year. Come on. So, Zach, you just gave me a very, like, 
the positives in a, and this isn't like a very micro scope because you're you're giving me the the, the squad and, and what it means to the squad but let me now give you the macro view of what this band means and why it's such an awful thing that we're not trying to freeze it for one we just came off of a season where we were 20 points off first and second place we were we still got third and a half champions league which is a huge marketing tool to signing players who are playing in teams such as ajax dortmund uh leipzig teams that are essentially second tier where they have this crazy young potential player who is dying for champions league and we have a chance of uh executing that that players like jovic players like Ziyech, players like David Neres. Sorry to cut you can... off, and if we don't, if we don't appeal, if we don't appeal, and we have this ban this uh, for this season, we're not finishing top four, and we're not making Champions League right. next that's year. That's what I'm going to get. We're not Sorry, finishing yeah. top four regardless next year. Not, I mean, if we lose Eden Hazard, it's not it's, it's not even an option. Uh, let Andre finish. Let Andre. Here's, here's the thing. So, for the one, we're missing out on of a transfer window where Liverpool's going to get stronger because they've never been such an appealing location as they are now. City is still City and playing for Pep Guardiola is like 95% of players out there's dreams. And Tottenham is making a Champions League final. Unai Emery seems to have settled that Arsenal. So everyone around us is only going to get stronger. In the in football, you can't just uh and I'm just stealing this from from Psalm. You can't just tank a season and start next year because we're only going to go below what we were at right now. And next season, we won't have Champions League. We might not have Europa League. So you're telling me that, yes, we will have Frank Lampard potentially as a manager. But just having Frank and being a 10th place team is not going to be the most uh, appealing situation for up and coming talent. I think that appealing for this band needs to be a priority because at least we can get reinforcements in now, sign them to long-term deals and ha- force them to buy into the project now rather than trying to sell them a broken house that's being rebuilt as the mansion that Chelsea's supposed to be. Right now, we still are a third-place team in a Champions League position. We need to take that and run. Jovic's deal is apparently falling through at Real Madrid, which is... Again, another opportunity to be taken. We we have just lost Loftus Cheek, so trying to find a midfielder slash winger like Ziyech or something like that would be huge for for just what we need immediately and what we would need later on. Like there is so much that we need to do now for the success of the future that giving throwing in the towel this year to say, Oh, we'll develop the youth is going to hurt us long-term. We might be in that like three-year period that Liverpool was in before they finally saw success. And I don't know if I can mm-hmm. trust the board, regardless of Czech coming in at this point, to tell me that they have a plan that spans longer than one season. That's my biggest fear, that we get eighth place under Lampard, and then next year, who are we going to try to sign without Champions League, without Europa League, aside from our own academy players that we would bring up? That's my fear. Another, Everyone another else got point. way stronger, and we just, we're just we just floating in the middle of the ocean with no direction. I'm looking at our squad, and even if we had a transfer window, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I agree with you guys. I, listen, I don't want to serve the band now as opposed to next summer. All I'm saying is that there could be positives that come out of it, and it's not all doom and gloom as we think. That's one. Number two, you mentioned we're about 20-some points behind first and second place in the Premier League. Buying just a Luka Jovic 
or buying just a Hakeem Ziyech is not enough. We still don't have fullbacks that could play in our system. And yes, I am talking about Aspi also because he had a huge dip in form in the second half of this season. Alex, I'm, tell us $30 million. Um, Porto, uh, Porto's owes money. <laughs> I mean, what I again, think, let me, like, uh, if you're going to uh, go two windows without spending any money, I think like you could go all out in this in this summer after appealing and buy two, three, maybe four players. Because if we're bringing in a new manager, you're bringing in a new uh, technical director and type of director. You know, y- you got to bring in players to match their system. And we're going to play a whole year without anyone, you know, at least if check comes in, he can make a, he can get a couple of his players and have them during that one year ban instead of, you know, serving that ban without any players of his own serving a whole year without any players that he brought in. And, you know, then hopefully that, by then, but, but we, we, you know, if, there's the people are available. If we go and we buy, you know, let's say the band, we, we do wind up appealing and we have this summer to purchase players, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say we bring in three or four relatively big names that yeah. are okay. going to, you know, begin our little rebuild here. We're still going to have to serve the band at some point, guys. Like there's, yeah. there's 29 different cases where we violated FIFA rules. <laughs> so like we're going to serve a band regardless. Now – I understand, like, if we bring in the, the top top talent, right, like the names we mentioned, it's going to take away from the playing time of some of those other players that could actually use that playing time in a year that's going to be a wash anyways. But I here's how I see it. We have, again, England has three domestic competitions, and on top of that, we have Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think the manager is going to know that we're not going to win. Our odds of winning the Champions League is not very high. No. So I, I getting mean, out of I the group the next also... year would be getting out of group. Yeah, yeah. If we get, get out, out of group. getting out of the group exactly. And yeah. worst case scenario, we get dropped down to the Europa League, where we saw this season that we can play our B team and make it to the final. Mm-hmm. Like simple as that. So you're telling me there's not going to be games for these guys? If Lampard comes in, he will make sure that he rotates all these young players. And again, the four players that we would sign in a theoretical situation will all be 25 and under. So you're breeding this new age of, of Chelsea players, both ac- Academy youth products that are still very raw, as well as world-class potential talents, such as Jovic, Ziyech, Cho, Loftus-Cheek. Like you get this blend of both kind of youths, the ones that have proven themselves already and the ones that we have in our backyard. And that is what gives us the success post the transfer window because we already have a spine and our academy seems to breed talent anyway so in the next two windows eventually those little mini holes you have here and there those can be then filled out by like no names that we don't know at this point or again we have 34 year old david luis and we have aspie who is barely getting into his 30s that can then do a role at, at that level like they can be retiring but they can get some minutes here and there to rest the young guys I mean, that's, of course, we're that's talking kind of about, what I'm hoping for. I mean, of course, like I know that we're talking about this hypothetical Frank and Jody come in, but I just want to emphasize it's it, everybody mentions Frank and it pisses me off when they don't mention Jody, because I think they're really discounting the impact that he will have as Frank's number two at Chelsea working with that youth system. Track record speaks for itself. The guy's a serial winner at the youth level. I think whoever whoever so ends up if being there, go ahead, yeah, sorry. If there was a transfer ban, this this upcoming summer, 
it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because Jody knows these kids. He knows how to work with them. He knows how to get the best out of every single one of them. And then on the flip side, these guys are going to be looking at Frank Lampard, guys like Tammy Abraham and Reese James, even, I mean, Mason Mount played under him this year and mentioned it at, at, you know, right when he got loaned out to Darby, that this is their idol. Like this is the guy. Mm-hmm. Frank Lampard is the guy you want to play for. I mean, I think there's only one more iconic Chelsea player you'd want to play for named JT, and that's it. Right. So, but at the same time, these are they they were men against boys at the youth level. Now they're men against men. Like we're asking them to to, to jump from the Championship level to the Premier League level every single week. That, that is that is a lot to put on a kid's yeah. shoulders. Like we saw what happened to Christensen. If our whole team is 20-year-olds who, who right now's uh, Premier League experience is actually the championship, that's that's still very tough to ask. Like, as much as Reese James has, like, the freaking mentality of a 30-year-old captain and Mason Mount is already super flexible of a midfielder that can do it all, it's, it's so much to ask these young guys. And if you start putting into their head a 10th-place finish as a as – a, like oh I'm t- it's finally here time to be at Chelsea and then we're a mid-table side like that's that's not gonna breed any confidence either that's yes. my worry that we might just destroy them mentally because it's a wash season and because we're thinking oh next season will be better we don't know what next season will look like because usually next season is based on the previous one I have a couple last points and it kind of leads into our next uh, topic but I think the prospect of serving the ban with a couple players that like the the technical director whoever that is and the manager whoever that is chooses is better than serving the ban with just you know a turnover of our players we have this season and some youth guys you know they serve the ban with a couple players you know you think about sorry when he came in we brought in Jorginho he was the perfect player for his system and he was you know arguably one our top 3 player so you know that that also raises a, a, another concern. If Sari is out, Jorginho, I mean, maybe whoever this next player, I mean, whoever the next manager is, Jorginho might not fit in that system, and we're going to be losing one of our top three players only because of a system change. And you know, I, I'm I'm thinking hypothetical. So again, that's just another player that we have to replace. You know, so I don't I don't think that's a situation though. I I, I think I think what especially. Just I mean, because Mauricio Sarri said the, he can't the, play the in a double boy. pivot doesn't mean – I mean, no, but seriously though. Like we've seen him the last couple weeks, Sam, play absolutely out of his skin, especially when Conte went down. When uh, he, he, He's been phenomenal. There's, I don't believe this whole Mauricio Sarri bullshit. Oh, well, we can't change the system because Jorginho can't play a double pivot. I call bullshit. We had Cesc Fabregas who's – Probably one of the slowest players. I mean, besides Iguain, a little quicker than Iguain, I would say. But still, like, it's not saying much. But we had Cesc Fabregas. We won titles with Fabregas playing at a pivot next to Angolo Conte. So who's to say that Jorginho can't play in that other pivot position? And another thing, like, you you look at his skill set and what he actually brings to the side. He's not just a pass master. I think we've seen, especially when Conte went down, the guy could tackle as well. Like, yeah, maybe he is a little bit lightweight. Maybe he's not the prototypical six or number eight in the premier league but to but, but when sorry said that mid-season it kind of pissed me off because it's like hold on a second we brought this player in for you and now you're telling us he could only play one way so we invested all this money on a player that could play one way but Jorginho's proven 
that he could play more than one way, man. I mean, we talked about it how many times this season where he played a, 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 a beautiful through ball that should have been a goal that winds up going 30 yards over the crossbar or 15 yards wide of near post or something. The idea that he can't play more than one position is just ridiculous. And I think whatever manager comes in next is definitely going to play him as a first choice, at least to start the season. I sure hope because so. I mean, it, it, I, I, from what I've seen, I mean, his skill set is very limited to, you know, passing, moving the ball around. And that kind of player isn't, you know, it, like, it's like saying, you know, N'Golo Conte was an amazing defensive mid. I, I, I you know, I have no doubt in my mind that if he's pushed up a little bit, that he'll succeed. And this season, he, he it didn't work out. You know, as much as as we like to say he still played amazing, we didn't we didn't have him play at his best suit. And he was, you know, like he was still like an he was he was an above average to a great midfielder still. But it wasn't the same in Golo Conte as before. You know, the system does matter when you have players like that that have a very particular skill set and not well-rounded you know what i mean yeah of, of of course but like i think whatever manager comes in next i don't think that they're gonna play ingolo conte by himself as a lone defensive mid yeah especially if it's frank lampard who usually plays four two three well, one anyways or bringing four, in three, another bringing in another defensive mid for that you know the, Jorginho could play that though and that's what i'm saying i will i if that happens i will love to see that succeed but let, let's get into the next topic i already mentioned it about sorry out this is something that Chelsea fans have been begging for all season. And now that it's finally reportedly happened, Chelsea fans are livid. <laughs> what are we doing? We, the board has no idea what they're doing, Make even though this is exactly us. what we wanted. Uh, but again, <laughs> I think the after last episode, which I missed out on, uh, you guys did have your eyes open to maybe the the foolishness or the, the you know, what the wise how it would be wise to keep him for one more year. But anyway, the rumors are starting to heat up that he's potentially leaving the club after the Europa League final. So leaking that information right before the game, that's just, you know, another great move. Uh, huh. So he's being linked with the likes of AC Milan, Roma, and Juventus. So, you know, with reports even stating that Juventus are willing to pay the £5 million release clause for him. So... Like I, I, I mentioned I, it earlier, that that would be a better gig than yeah. what he's got right now. But yeah, sorry, Zach. No, I, I sorry, I, I I don't know if it's a release clause. Um, that, that could be my mistake because oh, okay. I was the one that wrote that point. But I I, I know that there's a five million pound fee like mm, being waived over. Yeah, they yeah, need to buy out his contract. Basically, yeah, basically. So yeah, it's not a clause necessarily, but yeah, he'll be bought out. Um, so we got a couple questions uh, from some rep ultras so the first one comes from chelsea eric uh he asks would you guys feel for sorry if he got fired at the end of the season i mean also can you know considering the the kind of success that he had this season zach what do you think um i mean like i, I i'm a coach um although my you know my boys are 10 years old um i i would feel for him as a coach but as a chelsea fan um I, I, I'll, I'll buy his taxi to the airport. <laughs> Good riddance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Andreas, what about you? I I think I'm with Zach on this. That objectively, it, he will be the harshest firing second to Ancelotti, just because he was asked to do something and he achieved that. Champions <laughs> League football, two finals, potentially Life ain't a trophy. Fair, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
while he did the objective part, he seriously just got himself so many enemies. And the fact that in a campaign where we weren't supposed to make top four, we did, we were still having toxicity and, and, and yelling at the, at the fan, at the manager and hate for the players, that sort of thing. It's, that's just not something that's sustainable. So yeah, Marina needs to just say I messed up and, and we need to move on most likely. He left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm, I'm totally happy with him leaving, to be honest. Uh, the next does it taste like does it taste like tobacco? Yeah, it tastes like tar? cigarettes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like cigarette butts. Uh, so this next question is from Jonathan Kidd, actually a regular on the uh, Chelsea fan cast. So a little bit of a you know I think Zach got a little bit starstruck, even though he's 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 one of his good friends from uh, his time in England. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from my nine days in England, yeah. I, I think I saw JK like maybe 30 to- three times on that trip, three separate occasions. You know what? Quick story about him. He's actually one of the nicest people I've ever met. So um, we went to the Cox Tavern before uh, kickoff, of, uh, before the Tottenham match last season. I think it was, I think it was sometime in April. And uh, I was hanging out with Dan Silver most of the time we were there. Some of the London is Blue guys were there as well. And, uh, and and JK was there, obviously. And they all decided to, to hang out at the pub a little longer. I wanted to go early on or earlier than everyone else so I could watch the team warm up and stuff. I mean, it was my first time going. I wanted to watch them come out of the tunnel. I wanted to see their warm-up routine, all that good stuff. And uh, Jonathan Kidd offered to, to, to kind of show us the way to, to uh, Stamford Bridge from – from the cock and we left nice. and we started walking over and he introduced me to like Mark Worrell and like, you know, uh, the stand they have there where they, you know, Tim Rolls was there too. It's pretty crazy, but you know, um, so you're saying he knows his way around the cock. Is that what he knows saying? his, <laughs> he'll actually like that one, but no, <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, last thing, and this is the point I was getting to, um, I wanted to buy a match day program before we walked in. And uh, Jonathan Kidd would not let us buy our own match day programs. He actually bought one for me and one for my girlfriend. So um, total gentleman by any by every single stretch of the imagination. And so you it's threw it out cool on your way out, right? You threw it away on your way out because of no, how, I still uh, have it. I, I still have was. it in my room. No, no, I mean I still have it in my room, and every time I look at it, I just. I think about the misery that me and yeah. Dan Silver went through watching that match. I thought you'd want to, yeah. I thought you want to get ugh. rid of that anything that reminds you of that moment. But um, you know, you do you, man. So that was one of the. Let's just put it this way: that was one of the highlights of that day, probably the highlight. <laughs> Getting just ha- having him buy you that <laughs> the program. Well, the, the, dude, like he he's a nice guy. Like you, you strike hey, a conversation like with it. him, and he's he's actually hilarious he's just as funny in real life as he is on the fan cast so So, nice guy jonathan kidd he asks would allegri be a good fit at the bridge so he's thinking a little swap of the managers we we uh we make a deal with juventus and we swap managers i mean has, has anything like that ever happened before i can't remember like two managers switching teams in the same season for each other but would you guys be for, in favor of Allegri coming in? What do you guys think? Andreas, I'll start off with you. The real question is, would Allegri be wanting to come here? That's, yeah, that's a that's great my gig. Come thing. on. What are you talking about? I, right now, it definitely is not. I think <laughs> Allegri is one of the most flex, tactically flexible managers out there right now. We've seen him play in at Juventus at 3-4-3, 3-5-2, 4-3-3, and even a 4-2-3-1. 
And if we go from a tactically stubborn manager to a tactically flexible one, I think everybody would welcome that. My thing is, is that the only thing that Allegri has not won is a Champions League trophy. So I just can't see Allegri choosing Chelsea over potentially PSG, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, those sort of clubs. The ones that are are, are already competing for a Champions League and are maybe a couple players and maybe a slight tweak to their tactics away from becoming champions again. Uh, I would I would say I would welcome Allegri. I just right now I think we need to move away from the Italian trend because we've tried it twice recently and it just seems very short term. I don't know if it's a, a culture shock, I don't know what it is, but maybe maybe right now is not the time for Allegri at the bridge. Um, I don't I don't necessarily like this uh, appointment whatsoever. Um, I, one, because Frank Lampard. Um, but two, I mean, I know, Sam, you know Nick Barbarino is a huge Juve fan. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, we, we talk about Juve a lot. And he's told me that a big problem with Allegri in his tenure, I guess the last year, year or two years more specifically – his team selection has just been completely off the mark. And yeah, he is one of those managers that isn't afraid to deploy a different system every match based on the opponent. But if we look at his tactical nouns, I guess you could say, has he really proven um, that he's an elite manager at this stage? I mean, you, you, can, you can say that he's won the Serie A, but... That's not very difficult to do when you're when you're the Juve manager. I mean, exactly. Look, look so, at what he did so, with Matuidi. Uh, I mean, is that is that yeah. going to happen with Conte? I mean, he he played well, out of position he, and he, I mean he, that, he looked really that bad was, this year. This year, yeah, but but year, like at yeah. the World Cup, he played a similar position and did well. But but I'm I'm looking deeper. I'm looking into guys like uh, Paulo Dybala and how he regressed. Mm-hmm. I'm looking into players like Alexandro. Um, you know, uh, we're thinking about, you know, the younger players in that side that he wasn't willing to play like Rodrigo Bentoncourt and, um, uh, uh, Bernadeschi uh, up until the champ. I mean, he had to play Bernadeschi out of necessity because Douglas Costa was hurt. But I mean, you just look at some of the guys that missed out that could have had chances. I mean, that's, there's just a lot there that I think could go very toxic at the bridge. Like, you know, uh, benching a, a young, uh, creative midfielder with a bright future ahead of him for a 32, 33-year-old Sammy Kadira. Eh, I don't know if that'll go so well if that, w- if that was ever a Chelsea thing. Now, we also see his actual tactics and how they don't translate to European competition like you were saying. He got absolutely played off the park by Ajax. Um, and... You know, yes, Ajax didn't make the Champions League final this year, and yes, they're a phenomenal side. They're the funnest team to watch in the Champions League, hands down. But you look at what a top manager like Pochettino was able to do um, in the first leg. They went 1-0 down at halftime. Ajax was all over them in the first half. But in the second half, Spurs should have scored a goal or two. They should have evened out that aggregate going into the second leg. They outplayed Ajax in the second half. Same thing again. First half of the second leg gets completely outplayed, makes the right tactical adjustments, and winds up winning that game. And like you look at the the tactical flexibility that Poch used and Poch has and how it affected the outcome of the game, they're in a Champions League final now without their best players. 
And you look at a guy like Max Allegri, who had a stronger squad with better players and wasn't able to tactically change things up to give his to, to give his team a chance to win. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where if we hire Allegri, we're basically two, three-year contract, and then after a year and a half, you're out. It's going to be one of those things for sure. I mean, it just has it written all over. So you're a Lampard guy, huh, through and through? I am through. a Lampard guy. Look, I, I, I'm not completely against hiring a manager from the outside, right? Like, we hired Antonio Conte. I loved it, and I don't regret that one, one bit. I mean, we won a league title doing it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like Max Allegri is sort of the Dollar Tree version of, of Antonio Conte. And not so much that top-class manager that everyone's painting him out to be just because he's the manager at Juve. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, and just one thing about his tactics that I want to add is that we already struggle a lot to score goals. And Allegri usually is content with trying to do the one nils or the two ones. And just to put it into perspective, I think Cristiano Ronaldo had his lowest goal-scoring tally uh, in the past, like, five years like in the last four years of madrid versus this one at juve it was like a significant drop off mm-hmm. i believe that he's not the highest scoring team in italy i just don't know if those tactics will will work well when we are going up against high flying offensive teams such as city liverpool and tottenham who are still above us and like i said who are probably going to only get stronger before next season yeah, I mean, and you got guys like uh, Bonucci who left while Allegri was manager. Um, obviously, he came back, but Gigi Buffon left while Allegri was manager. He's alienated guys, like I said before, like Paulo Dybala, who you cannot tell me that he can't offer anything to that team. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you can't tell me he's he needs to be coming off the bench either. So that's another thing. You know, it's it's. I just don't think that he's one of those managers that's very stuck in his ways. He's going to do what he feels is best, and he, and he's going to alienate the players he feels he needs to alienate, and that's just not healthy. Where you got guys like Frank Lampard, where if you watched, uh, if, if you watched the championship playoffs, every single player on that pitch would run through a brick wall for him, and the the proof is in the pudding. You watch the videos of the celebrations in the dressing room after, and you just see how contagious that energy is and how, how everyone's spirit is lifted just by his presence. I don't see Allegri being that type of manager whatsoever. And that, that's a great transition, Zach, because I mean, admittedly I haven't been up to date on uh, watching the championship or any Derby County match uh, matches this season, but thankfully they, they made it all the way to the championship. And now, you know, we get an opportunity to really see them. I mean, even in the semis, both legs, we were able to see what kind of, you know, style he's going to be putting in um, if, if he were to be hired. But, I mean, not only do we get to see that, we also get a preview of a lot of Chelsea low knees, and, and, and a lot of them have been shining. I mean, surprise, surprise. So, like, the, the championship is going to be uh, Derby against Aston Villa. Um, so we're going to be seeing Tammy the Abraham, playoff, the playoff final, my the friend. playoff final, right? <laughs> Which is going to, it's going to be hard. I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to root for Darby just because 
I mean, it's 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 JT versus it's JT, JT versus, versus Lampard. Frank and Jody. Yeah. I mean, this is this is uh, this is really tough. But I mean, if we're gonna bring in Frank, I'm gonna be rooting for Darby. Um. So I mean, first of all, Tammy Abraham, uh, he started for Villa against uh, West Brom and scored the winning penalty in the shootout. Uh. So, and you know, he he he's a guy who obviously we might bring back next year. Mason Mount has been in very impressive in Derby County, and he was he scored a he scored a goal uh, against in, in that last win against Leeds that that absolutely insane match. Um, he he kind of struggled to impose himself in the first leg, but was really the best midfielder on the pitch on the second leg, and you know uh, just just again he scored in that in, in that un, unreal game. Um, so. Going back to the main point with Ruben out and you know our lack of a proper goal scorer, do you think any of these guys will get their shot at Chelsea next season? Zach, uh, I'll start off with you. What do you think? I mean, I think it's a lock that Mason Mount comes back, especially after the Ruben injury. And you look at Mason Mount's skill set, and you know he he has his playmaking ability. He can has unbelievable set piece delivery. Whether it's a a direct free kick or a corner. Um, his he scores goals from midfield positions. He could play the ten. He could play the eight. Um, and and there's really nobody else in a squad that could do some of the things he does besides Ruben. And now that we don't have Ruben, I think that that he absolutely has to play for us. Now, um, Fakayo Tomori, as I said earlier, I, he he's phenomenal and he was Derby County's Player of the Year. I don't think I I don't see Chelsea bringing him back. Um, from his loan because I think he could really benefit from playing in the Premier League for at least a season. Um, and, and and we're already pretty deep in the center back positions. But the other name that's interesting, and you mentioned it's Tammy Abraham. And based on what I watched in their second leg against West Brom, I thought he played really well, even though he didn't get any service for most of the match. And I think the thing I like about him the most is his natural ability to kind of drift into these spaces between the two center backs he just kind of has a little bit – he has a little bit of that poacher's instinct in him, but he also has it with a little burst of athleticism and size, which is something that is very unique. We don't see a lot of players his height um, with that type of speed or or, or mobility. Um, you know, we talk about Iguain being a natural poacher in his heyday, but, I mean, Tammy's, T- Tammy's record speaks for itself. I think he's on 26 goals now on the season. And I think he only joined in January. So, I mean, he was basically on pace to break a championship scoring record. Um, the guy goes out there and scores goals, period. And, and you know, all out, out of all that good, there's just one thing I'm still slightly worried about, and it's his physicality. And, like, yes, he's tall, and he's – but but that's it. He's just tall. And he's not necessarily the thickest of center forwards. So – him playing with his back to goal might be an issue. Um, and, you know, I know Higazi was the one defending him, and, and he's just absolutely massive. But for someone like him, it kind of worries me because Tammy Abraham is what, six foot three, I want to say. And he's very lanky. And gaining weight when you're very lanky like that might be a challenge. Um, so, but, you know, either way, I think he would be an upgrade on both Giroud and Iguain. Um, and I, I I think he deserves a shot going into next season. I, I think Andres agrees with me, right? Oh, I, I'm 100% on the same page as you. I, I think that Tammy is definitely ahead of 
Mishibashuai in the pecking order in terms of who comes back to Chelsea. And if Lampard is going to become the manager, then Mainson Mount is also a lock. Uh, those two guys will, will waltz into the squad. I don't know how deep of a role they'll have, but like we said, Ruben being out, that means that Mason Mount will fight for contention to start. I know that Lampard does rate Ross Barkley as well. Uh, and as then in I. terms of the forwards, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, look, there, there's a lot of different styles that we would be playing in terms of how we how we handle our football when Lampard takes over, if he takes over. I think that a lot of the players that seem stiff and rigid will will play a little bit differently. Um, based on how he played with Darby, it's it's a 4-3-3 with a DM and two box-to-box attacking center mids, kind of like how City does it. So, I mean, it, it's possible that we could see a Barkley, Mason Mount, Conte midfield at times. And maybe they'll have a little bit more freedom to do some of their more natural thought process things to just take those shots from distance or mm-hmm. run into the box. Like those were things that Lampard was so good at. And I feel like he can coach them to that. So uh, I think these, both of these guys will be, will be just fine in terms of next season, especially with this band. I, I think they'll both be part of the 22 man squad. Well, if, if we're going to play like man city, then I guess the league title is <laughs> lost next year. That's awesome. Great news guys. I would say how we how they are set up on paper. I don't know. <laughs> like if if you look at the team sheet, what? it's a four three three with one guy kind of holding down the defensive responsibilities full time, and two other guys who who support him, but are are mostly ball progressing midfielders. Yeah, I'll choose to believe uh, whatever I want to believe. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so let let's move on to uh, you know, I mean, we, we were just discussing this this Chelsea filled uh, championship game, but we actually have a Chelsea-filled championship game, uh, the Cup Europa League final. Cup final. Yeah, what, dude, I'm 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 American and I'm kind of white, the, so uh, you know if I get if I get brown skin. if I get hate from uh, from the British supporters, then uh, you know I deserve it. Uh, so <laughs> so we're we're going to be playing in the Europa League final again uh, against uh, Arsenal. So. The, the main story that has been really brought up about this match is the major issues involving the ticket allocation. So each club is only allowed 6,000 tickets. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty big venue and uh, they're playing. Apparently in... it's bigger than the Emirates. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it's in Azer, it's in Azerbaijan. I mean, that's, it's a very small, rich country. So I, I believe that, but somehow both teams are struggling to sell all their allocated tickets um so that that's that's just going to be obviously a main talking point of the match it's always great when it's uh off the pitch issues that are going to dominate it but um obviously Unai Emery he's not he's familiar with uh Europa League winning 3 years in a row with Sevilla in uh, 2014 15 and 16 so i mean i don't know how much that really plays into it given you know he's on a different team now and Arsenal is crap of course they're shit um so and they're not playing at home so they have that as well but they'll be playing in a stadium quieter than their home stadium believe it or not which is surprising yeah um but anyway they we i mean they won't have a mkhitaryan because of issues between uh, armenia and azerbaijan they don't feel comfortable having him play there so they 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 are not going to play without mkhitaryan but 
not a very fair, yeah, not a very fair trade off. We're not going to be playing with Ruben Loftus Cheek. We're not going to play with Cho. We're not going to be playing with Rudiger. All three of them are going to be unavailable due to injury. Um, good news though, Ngolo Conte did return to training earlier today or uh, earlier Monday actually, and is, he's expected to play in a little over a week's time. Um, so. What what kind of lineup can we expect to see in this in this game, given all the injuries and uh, what what's happened in the past week or so? Andreas, what do you think? <clears throat> Sorry, I definitely expect Conte to start. I think that Loftus Cheeks' spot will be taken by Kovacic. The front three will be exactly what we expect. I think, in my personal opinion, Giroud should start, but we'll most likely see Iguain and it'll be Hazard oh, be on the left and William on the right. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't see any surprises. And, and the other player that I'm not sure if he'll play, I hope he does, is Rudiger. So uh, apparently, um, it was reportedly not going to be playing, but not at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then, I think he's I think he's out till next season for sure. Okay, then it'll be it'll be Christensen instead of him. I know that Aspie has practiced at center back. I just don't see. Sorry, trusting Zappacosta for a full 90. So I think it'll be, you know, the typical back line. I think Emerson is healthy again and been practicing. So him on the left, David Luiz, Christensen, Aspie, Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic, Hazard, Iguain, Willian. And I guess that Gary Cahill fell, fell off the face of the earth. Uh, what what, hmm, what game Someone was... that's actually won this fucking tournament. What game, what game was that when it's when we put in... Frankfurt. Yeah, we put, we put in... Uh... We we put in um, Zapacosta and put yeah. <laughs> and moved uh, Dave as another center back instead of putting him in. I mean, it's like Dave, it, Dave you know, actually did play really well. Though. He did, and to be fair, Probably. so did Zapacosta. Yeah, yeah, Zapacosta actually fair. looked good too. Fair. So 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 here's kind of where I stand with this lineup. Um, I think the back line is you know it basically picks itself at this point. I agree with Andres. The midfield three, I agree with Andres as well. Now the front three. Um, I'd like to have Giroud up in, uh, going up through the middle um, and have Pedro on the right, Hazard on the left, just so we could kind of get at Arsenal's defense. I think that's our most attacking lineup we have uh, in terms of front three. So I think Sarri is going to identify uh, Emery's weakness, and that's his, his back line. But I have been reading, and this scares the living shit out of me. Oh, no. I know it's, where you're going with this. It's Hazard's last game, and apparently... And this is just reports that Sari's thinking about playing him at the false nine. Yes. Now, if finish if out in style. Sorry plays Hazard at the false nine in his last game for Chelsea. I also think it will definitely be Sari's last game for Chelsea. <laughs> there is no chance <laughs> in hell that we play a false nine against Arsenal and succeed. There's just that's not gonna happen. There's absolutely back. no way. Why would you play him at a false nine against a team like Arsenal when? Okay, or put it this way: Why would you have him play in a position where he's basically ineffective? Because I mean, he's not. He he yeah. can't play the false nine. There's proof. As opposed to playing him out on his in his natural position, out on the left, running at an inexperienced uh, Maitland Niles, where he's one of the best players in the world. <laughs> he's easily a top three 1v1 player in the world. Yeah. And when he on his day, he is the best 1v1 player in the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I did just say that, but it's true. All um, don't lie. All don't lie. So, good God, sorry, just That's play not fucking Drew. 
Hazard wants to play with Giroud and his. I, you know what I would do? I would literally just go up to Hazard and be like, "You pick the eleven. It's your last <laughs> yeah. game. You pick the fucking eleven. And I think that's the eleven Hazard will pick. To be completely honest, he'll play with Giroud up top and probably Willian on the other side just because they're good friends. But still. But the, well, didn't you guys see the pictures today of Pulisic at Cobham? I mean, can't he not play? I mean, is no. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, that no, 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 no. Because well, because the league is over. I mean, come on. The squads were submitted. Make an exception for us. Before the tournament started, yeah, I believe he's, they submit, he's like, European. He's Europeanly in it for European competitions. He's registered under Dortmund for 2018-2019. We got to find the loophole. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll work on that and I'll, I'll send any updates to uh, directly. Give him, to give him an afro in the number 22 <laughs> jersey. Yeah, he could pass as William for sure. <laughs> I think so. Um, so let's get into the match predictions, and I, I, I. I'm kind of reluctant to get into this because I don't want to uh, face the music of what the reality of this match could be. Uh, but, Andreas, I'll start off with you. What do you think? What's going to happen? How, what's going to be the final score? 2-2. Two, two, we go into penalties. <laughs> and our true manager, Kepa Riza Balaga, saves us once again. And check, check it just lets everything go by him. That's what you're saying? One for the team. I'm not saying that, but I, I'm getting I'm getting vibes of 2012 where we're not supposed to win this game. Like no nothing on paper says we should be winning this game. So it just it would just be nice and fitting for us to invoke those same emotions from 2012 and and just essentially shit house a victory and get the trophy. <laughs> what about you, Zach? Uh... I'm not going to give the prediction that I actually think is going to happen. <laughs> I'm on the same page. Um, but but here's the thing. So I think it was like two weeks ago, Sam. I believe it was you that brought it to our attention that we got a negative review on our, on our uh, Apple uh, on on Apple Podcast. Yeah. And, oh, and it was, I found that. Yeah. And and, and it was so, yeah, Andres. So like it was something along the lines of. Uh, don't listen to this podcast because all these guys do is shit on Chelsea the whole entire time. <laughs> yeah, we're not even real um, So, so if that guy's listening, this is one giant fuck you. Um, I don't <laughs> think this match is gonna go very well. I, I just, for some odd reason, I think um, Arsenal has more firepower than we do, and it just comes to a matter of whose defense is gonna be less fragile. And uh, right now. Chelsea doesn't really have anybody besides Hazard that I can see hurting Arsenal for 90 minutes. And Arsenal has Aubameyang, they have Lacazette, they have I, mean, I, can, total, I can totally see David Luiz getting lost multiple times, you know, trying to keep track of those two. Their movements. And we're going to get skinned with pace as well because that's yeah. something we can't forget. Like Aubameyang is literally playing on the left as an inverted winger. So he's mm -hmm. literally making 40 to 50-yard sprints every single time he makes a run at goal. So just imagining him blow by that little space in between like Christensen and Aspie is just going to be a nightmare. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to go two, two, just like Andres. Um, and, and I'm going to say we're going to win the penalty shootout just because we have a better keeper, but mm -hmm. it's definitely not going to be wow. an enjoyable match to disrespect. watch by any stretch. The disrespect to Peter check. Uh, no, well, yeah, I don't I think Peter check's going to play. 
I don't think Unai Emery will be, play. It'll him. be a conflict of interest. I guess you're right. Um, well, no, he just goes against. He just goes against the Emery philosophy. Like Emery likes his goalkeepers to be able to play with their feet, and that's why Czech has been frozen out of the Premier League side. But like now they're at the point where you have to play your best team, and I think Bernd Leno is probably in Unai Emery's best team. Yeah, it's definitely also a conflict of interest. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I, for me, I think uh, with Kovacic in. I think we stand no chance that we will we will not be able to build up any play from the midfield. I mean, uh, it's going to be. I I really do think like I'm I'm I say this a little bit te- uh, tongue in cheek, but I think Ross Barkley starting in Kovacic's spot or I mean RLC spot really, uh, it would be huge for us. I mean he's he's been he's been yeah. he's been great. I agree. He's been great the past couple his last couple of outings and. I mean, we just need people to take chances, and he and obviously, you know, a lot of them aren't even close to target. But in a match like this, like it, it's a cup final, exactly. Like, like, regardless, like, he's going to be up for it. Exactly. So I, I I would love to have him starting in that eleven, and if if <laughs> if if Eden Hazard plays the false nine, I don't even see us scoring a single goal. <laughs> but um, I think that if if I think I do see us winning if we you know stick if sorry makes the right team selection and obviously I I want I think Giroud is the obvious choice uh, but if I see knows? Giroud and Barkley in the starting eleven I don't care who else is I'll playing the other positions yeah I'll exactly comfortable yeah uh, but and I think I think it it, it it depends on that so what about bold predictions. Uh, Zach, do you have any bold predictions? There will be one red card in this game. Ooh. I, I I have a feeling. I mean, this is a cup final. It's also a London derby. Real chippy. You know, all all twelve thousand fans <laughs> are gonna be going nuts. No, like I I I do think there's gonna be. I I think the match is gonna be very chippy. Now, like I'm gonna have to miss the match. Actually, I start my new job the day before, and uh, the match actually falls. Kickoff is at noon in Los Angeles. So that's smack in the middle of my day. So I'm planning on taking a late lunch so I could catch a second half. But <laughs> I am going to say there's going to be a red card in this match. Andreas, what about you? My bold prediction is that an unlikely player will be the one to score for Chelsea. So my the names I'm throwing much. in the hat are... Zappacosta. Right? No. I'm going <laughs> with Christensen. Ooh, Ooh Chris Chelsea goal. Kovacic or Jorginho? No. <laughs> Two of those guys haven't even scored for Chelsea. Exactly. <laughs> for, uh, and that's why it's going to make it a great headline when one of those guys potentially scores a winner or like a late equalizer. I mean, Kovacic the, with yeah. a 30-yard screamer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Zappacosta had a number of really close chances in that. I in agree. That he had some good shots. So. Zappacosta could hit a ball so hard. That, like, that's he, my he, bold he prediction. Could, he could really smack the shit out of a ball. That's my bold prediction then. I, I, yeah. I think I think he'll play, and I think he will not only score, but he'll he'll have a brace. He'll get two. Wow. Imagine what I'll do for Christensen's confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think starting Zappacosta in, in in this cup final in particular would be the equivalent of of nominating Bran the Broken as the fucking king of the six plus one kingdoms. Whoa, Andreas, yeah. is that is that 
news real, you think? Pep Pep Guardiola to Juventus, is that did you guys see that? Wait, what? <laughs> this is this is breaking mid recording, so this is interesting. <laughs> uh but uh who knows? Maybe everything that we just talked about is irrelevant, but <laughs> who knows? If 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 you guys are listening to it, we heard you heard it here first, okay? But uh hey, what the fuck? Who is this guy? <laughs> Two uh, Italian journalists, uh, Federico yeah. Generelli and Adriano Del Monte, are reporting that Juventus has reached an agreement with Pep Guardiola for a four-year contract. All I'm going to say is, guys, we're in silly season. Take it with a grain of salt. Hey, Del Everyone's Monte is verified. The... He's got a check mark. What are you talking about? This hey, is tier one. I'm just one. saying. People <laughs> with blue check marks thought that... <laughs> That uh, Daenerys or Jon Snow would be on the throne, and oh, we got Bran the Broken. Too soon. Yeah. So. Uh, that nickname's pretty harsh, huh? It's not very sensitive. Uh, but yeah, I think. Well, I, listen, I, the I fucking writers of Game of Thrones weren't very sensitive to our needs, and now they're about to ruin Star Wars for everybody, too. Maybe so. they're focused on Star Wars and they didn't pay too much attention. So Maybe they're just knows? two jackasses that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. That's all right. The spinoffs and the prequel would be. Will <laughs> oh, be, God. We're going to have a spinoff good. of Arya basically becoming Christopher Columbus and sailing <laughs> out west. <laughs> no, it's, it's Lewis and Clark as one. Oh. <laughs> It's just gonna wear be... both their faces. Oh my god, it's All gonna right. be a disaster. And by the way, how the fuck are the Dothraki supposed to like man their own kingdom? Like none of them have penises. So you mean the unsullied? Um, mean the unsullied? Or, or or the yeah. unsullied? I'm sorry. And how are so, their yeah. and how are their Dothrakis? Left. Didn't they all die in the? Battle well, apparently they didn't all die. They all died in... misleading then. Tune yeah. in to our spinoff podcast where we <laughs> talk about Brand's Empire Pod. Yeah. Brand's Empire Pod, I love it. Great I time. actually hate it. It should be Jon Snow's Empire, but whatever. Hey, when um, if Roman uh, sells the team next year, maybe we could change it to that. But Let's just hope that the next owner, if Roman does sell the team, all we have to hope for is that the next ro- owner has a name that's easy to pronounce <laughs> so we could just plug it into Blank's Empire pod. Or or if they had an empire, that would also be awesome. Yeah. Like, if, if, if they if hire someone some... named Persian, and that'd be Alexander. the Persian Empire, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. The Byzantine, if his name was Byzantine, the Byzantine Empire, I think that's right. Ramin's Empire pod. All right, that's it, Zach. Let's, let's yeah, yeah, uh, let's yeah. That's a little too much. We'll just end it right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, we're gonna end the podcast right there. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. You can also reach out to us via email Romans Empire Pod at gmail Let us know, uh, you know, your feelings on the season. I mean, we want to hear from our own listeners their general feelings. Uh, tell us a story, give us a situation, a turning point, whatever. A rating on a scale to hundred. We don't care. Just let us know how you feel about the season. Tweet at us, email us, let us know what's going on. We're also on SoundCloud. Uh, we're we're on uh, Apple Podcasts as well. Um, and we probably well, won't every, be back until after the Europa, after Europa League, League, unless something exactly. huge happens in between then. But so yeah. Anyways, until next week, keep the blue flag flying, or next time, keep the blue flag flying high, guys. <laughs>